Today we're looking at the subject of uh, race and culture and how we do relationships uh, with people who are from very different backgrounds than us. So that's a nice, easy subject for us to get into. Uh, actually, in my preparation, I found it uh, more difficult than usual to tune in on the right voice. There's always lots of voices going on in your head when you prepare to preach. And uh, don't, don't be worried. I mean, I mean lots of uh, opinions that you know that will be out there and uh, different life experiences, stories, anecdotes, uh, political ideas. And you, you can get trapped in the temptation to please everybody, to try to adequately cover your basis so that when you've finished, everyone says, yeah, I was satisfied with that message. That message lined up basically with what I think. And if I can keep as many people happy as possible, then I've scored. But uh, I remembered when preparing that that isn't preaching. Um, preaching is, is, is not that at all. My job today is to show you Jesus and to let Jesus speak to you. That's, that's in the end, not going to fit in with anybody's preference. That's not the primary goal. It's, uh, it's not going to fit in with my preferences, let alone yours. So can I ask you to deliberately soften your heart now and ask him to speak to you uh, through his voice? And to help us with that, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we've been in Matthew a lot in recent years. And uh, here in just one verse, we're going to hear him speak again to us about the kind of righteousness he wants amongst his people. Let's have it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We are very blessed uh, here in, in Brighton and in, in cities like ours currently at this stage in history, living at a time where racism publicly uh, is opposed. On a public level, generally speaking, there is a distaste towards it. It's, uh, it's not encouraged. It's, it's, it's opposed constantly. And you need to know that that is a precious thing. That's, uh, that's not necessarily typical. It, it's, it's not something we should take for granted. There'd be plenty of times and places in history where the opposite would be the case, where it would be the norm and acceptable and approved uh, for, for racism to prevail, even at a public level. And so we can be grateful and thank God for uh, so much in our society that goes in the right direction here. That's not to say that the issue is solved and we can just sort of move on. Racism is, is dealt with, let's talk about something else. But certainly it means that when you speak against it in the public sphere, you'll find that the wind is behind you more than it might have been in other times and places. And I want to just ask the question before we do anything else, why could that be? Why would it be so? I believe the reason for that is largely the Christian legacy that our society is still enjoying. It's like we're still enjoying the fruit from the Christian tree, the Jesus tree. We still like some of the fruit that comes out of it. And so we, we, we take it off and we enjoy it. Now, the problem when you take fruit off a tree is that you've given it a shelf life quite, 
quickly. It's going to start getting mouldy unless you see to it. And we like taking stuff off the Christian tree. We don't necessarily like the Christianity itself. But we need to understand that without being in touch with the roots that shape our, our moral assumptions as a society, we, we won't necessarily be able to confidently expect them to last well. The reality is that there is going to be a need again and again for us to stand up with courage and speak against injustices. And just because there are times when the wind is behind you when you speak against something doesn't mean that it always will be. And so we, we mustn't just oppose racism because that's the way society is going. Oh, in this day and age, you know, it's not, it's not acceptable to be racist. That is not a good enough reason. The roots aren't strong enough. I don't know if you've heard this kind of phrase being used. I find that so often the way in which people speak upon this subject will be along the lines of, I can't believe the way that person is speaking. Doesn't he know that it's 2021? I can't believe the way that she's behaving in such a racist way. Doesn't she know it's the 2020s? Don't they know it's the 21st century? We've moved on from that. That's not, that's not in keeping with the times. But if we oppose things just because they're not in keeping with the times, then we surely won't oppose them forever because the times will change. And the, the reality is that history has turned on people who didn't keep with the times, who deliberately said, no, the times are wrong. The reason that Dr. King made such an impact in the 1960s was, was not because he said, well, it's the 1960s, racism is wrong now. Instead, he called his culture, his society, even the church, back to the authority of the God who speaks for justice, who speaks for dignity, who speaks for equality of humanity made in his image. He didn't say, well, it's just not in now. He said, it doesn't matter what's in, it's what God says. We as Christians need to recover our confidence in the authority of what God has said, to speak from the roots and that means that we will also start to see fruit that abides. And today I haven't the time to, to go into the depths of what those roots are, what, what it is that makes God so concerned, what, what the Bible teaches about race. It's just that there isn't time in one sermon to cover all the bases. Uh, you can do that by clicking on Toby's message from December, for example. We've talked about this recently. So there's, there's other places you can go to look at some of the theology on this subject, but I wanted to talk about how this affects our relationships in, in real life and especially in the church amongst those who love Jesus and, and follow him. We need to be truly connected with our roots and we need to be looking, therefore, for living fruit, which is very different than the, the fruit or the so-called fruit that comes from a society that sort of disapproves of racism because it's, it's not acceptable today. If, if we reduce our message just to that, you know, what is, what is acceptable, what is, what is considered the right opinion, what is even a fashionable opinion, then really what we'll be doing is appealing to the wrong things in the heart. Surely we know this. If you, if you just tell kids at a school assembly that, that some things are, are bad and some things are good, the most you'll get in terms of their hearts being changed is simple outward compliance. Now, it's not wrong to do it. We need to do it. I, 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 it's, it's essential that we teach every generation about the evils of racism. 
I teach my kids that. It's, it's, a, it's a thing we must do. But you understand that just by saying, oh, that's bad and that's good, you're, at best, you will get outward compliance. It's like, oh, this week, the school assembly was against racism. Next week, it will be against litter. And we kind of reduce these massive issues to just expressions of, of behaviour without understanding the roots and the heart behind it. Compliance isn't really enough, it seems to me, from what the Bible shows us. And then compliance can perhaps be, you know, you could kind of steroid it up a bit with, with fear. And we know how to do that as a society. We, we, we are frightened of being shamed by saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. The fear of not complying, the fear of not being respectable on a subject of morality is a very powerful motivating force, but again, not necessarily a positive one. What you end up again with is, is individuals in our society who are far more frightened of being perceived to be racist than they are frightened of racism. It's much more frightening for people to think, well, I don't want, I don't want them to think I'm a certain thing, I don't want them to see me a certain thing, than to actually care about people who are from a different ethnic or cultural background. That, that doesn't even cross our mind. We're too busy being frightened of, of not fitting in right. And that's not touching the heart. Again, it's all about external compliance and shallow emotions. And then I suppose the other side of it, the flip side of the fear is the pride. The sense that we may feel we've achieved in this area. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually quite a high achiever when it comes to opposing racism. And what we usually mean when we say things like that is, I've got the right opinions. I've got the enlightened point of view. I retweet the right tweets. I put the right things on Instagram. I, I'm behind the right political position. Because of my opinions, because I belong to a certain political tribe, a certain kind of set of a cultural agenda, that means that I'm righteous, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a justice person. And I notice that you other people aren't. And before we know it, we've succumbed to actually a serious level of pride that is doing nothing for anybody. I could go through life showing absolute disdain and callousness towards people who are from a different cultural background than me, but still congratulate myself on being anti-racist because I have the right opinions. You see what we've done as a society? We've kind of turned Pharisee. What do I mean by that? Maybe you're new to your Bible. What I mean by that is that the people that, that crucified Jesus were the Pharisees. And, and what they were known for was their public righteousness. They, they would have seen themselves as highly into righteousness, justice. It's basically synonymous at, that, at this stage in history. Justice, righteousness, same kind of word almost. They, they, they would have seen themselves as high achievers when it came to social morality and other level, you know, all kinds of morality. All the externals, they were spiritual, they were righteous. They were, but what it did to them was it created a high level of disdain towards those who couldn't keep up with their rules, couldn't keep up with their, their expectations, their way of doing things. People who just struggled with them and found them exhausting and resented them. And Jesus comes into that world. People who would have seen themselves as righteous and Jesus actually points out Sometimes with satire, sometimes it seems to me with, with powerful humour. The emptiness, he, said, he shows them that they're, they're not righteous really at all. 
but their righteous sin is very skin deep. In their hearts, there's no care for people whatsoever. He said things like, you guys, you strain out gnats, you, know, you strain out little insects in your drink, in your food. You're watching for tiny little insects, but you swallow camels. Jesus would use this kind of language all the time to say, it's ridiculous. It's all external. It's all for show. It's all for people to think that you're on the right side of history, that you're, that you're on the right side of the curve. That you're, you, it's people to think that you're in, but your heart is full of pride, full of disdain for others. You've got no idea how far from God you really are. And that is a genuine concern for our age as well, because we can build up a certain kind of righteousness that's really fake. We can, we can be confident of our virtue. And Jesus would point out the condition of our heart. We need desperately to, to see the impact of what we do, because actually what we also do is create a resentment amongst people who just feel, I, I can't keep up with you. The thing that Jesus surprised people with was his, his message of freedom from the Pharisees. People received his message as a breath of fresh air. I'm sure when he first started to kind of mock the righteousness of the Pharisees, people would have thought, at last, Jesus, I'm so proud of you. We're so glad you've come. You're the one we've been waiting for, the one who'd be on our side, the side of the, the religiously incompetent, the unrighteous, unjust people who cannot keep up with the Pharisees. Thank God you've come. You're sticking it to them. That's just what we needed. And, and we're so glad that you agree with us that righteousness doesn't matter. That actually, what they're going after, this righteousness thing, doesn't matter. You can carry on being completely unrighteous with the rest of us. Thanks, Jesus. And Jesus would have so disappointed them because they, they had to listen longer and come to verses like the one that we read just now in Matthew 5.20. I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Are you kidding Exceed. I've got to go further. I've got to achieve higher than the Pharisees. It's a joke. It's impossible. It won't. It's beyond me. I can't. I, can't. I thought you were against their, their legalism, their, their harshness. I thought you were against their pride. What, how, what, what, what are you saying? Your race has got to be beyond them. Make no mistake, Jesus, when he calls you, when he comes into your life, he calls you to a level of righteousness, love for people, selflessness, giving, generosity, humility, joy in seeing others do well, care for people who are different than you, people who are culturally diverse from you, a desire to bring people into your life, he will call you into that to a level which will disturb you sometimes. He showed it in his own way. Jesus, by coming to earth as a baby, being born as human, was the ultimate culture crosser. He did it in all kinds of ways. He pictorially did it in John chapter 13 when he got up from the table where his friends were eating and he, he, he took off his outer garment. It's highly symbolic. He's taking off the, the privileges and, and the comforts and the familiarity of his culture, things that he would have been able to take for granted, he took for granted no more. So I will, I will put aside all the privileges of my culture, his culture being heaven. He, he put it all aside, laid it aside, 
in order to get up from the table, put a towel around his waist, fill a bucket and wash feet. Get into the realities of people's lives, the parts of their lives that they needed help with, to get to know them really, to know their needs and to love them rather than shame them. This is the, the powerful demonstration we see in Jesus of loving culture crossing. And he wants a whole community like that. He wants a whole church that feels like that, that tastes like that, that smells like that. Have you ever been in a church like that? What a thing to aim for. It doesn't come automatically. It's, it's going to require shifts and changes and pain for us. I think of a, a man who, who I know of who, who went from one culture to another to share the message of Jesus with a, with a people group that were completely different to him. And he was excited and it was almost a glamorous idea until he realised days in, weeks in, months in, that he was struggling. He was struggling because he realised these people that he was reaching out to, they didn't know him. They didn't, they didn't seem anything like him. They didn't seem to want to know him. They didn't like him. And he didn't like them. He didn't like their way of doing things. He didn't like the style, the culture. He didn't like the atmosphere. He didn't like anything. He didn't like, in fact, he got to the point where he realised, God, what is wrong with me? I went here because I love you, Jesus. I thought I want to love these people and share Jesus with them. But I don't love them. I hate them. His heart was broken. He thought, what has happened to me? And God had to work in his heart, had to work softening his heart, taking through a period of change and realising, I've been arrogant. I've come in with all my assumptions of how I think they should. And I've had, he had to open up his heart and let God reshape him, deconstruct him, so that he could really get to know, really get to understand people and start to love them, start to see things in them that he really loved and really liked. And on that premise, start to share Jesus with them. You might think, well, what a heroic example. What an extraordinary person. What a culture crosser. But here's where it gets close. So if you're in Emmanuel and you're, you're white and English, like me, you probably don't realise, in fact, you almost certainly don't realise that there are people in this church who've had to go through something like that already just to be part of this church, just to be part of the culture of this church, just to, to fit in people who are from a different background, a different part of the world, or, or just a different colour from you, whenever they are trying to integrate, engage, just coming to a meeting even, it can feel like this isn't really my culture. These aren't really my people by birth. It's not quite the same for me. And and yet I'm still going to come. I, 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 this is the right, I want to be here because, you know, the preacher is obviously so good. And that's, I'm kidding. They, they, they come because, well, this is, I just, I know, I, I want to hear from the Bible and everything, but there's, there's like taking off out of garments just to be there. Do you understand? It's, it's a bit of a journey culturally for something. If you're white and English, you might not realise that. It may be less of a journey for you. In the majority culture, we don't always see the journey others have taken. And it's good for us to ponder and think, Lord, help me to see, help me to listen, help me to learn, help me to understand, help me to even ask. 
and, and not simply celebrate diversity on a skin-deep level. It's good to have some diversity. We are an amazingly diverse community. Emmanuel is a very diverse community of people. But that can be so patronising, right? Oh, it's lovely to have some colour, lots of different colours. Isn't that wonderful? Well, yeah, but how about getting to know? How about knowing some stories? How about, learn, how about connecting? How about learning from people who've got a different journey and story? And by doing that, becoming more the community that shows this humility, this love, this culture-crossing way that Jesus commends to his disciples and wants to exude, wants to fill the church, because that means the fruit will feel, will taste, will, will, will bring, will bring the, the fragrance of Jesus. It's so different. Just a kind of, you know, something that really is about me feeling more righteous. No, 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 please put that aside. That's not helpful at all. That's not relevant to what Jesus has come to build. This isn't always comfortable. It's not always easy for us. It does require time. It does require patience. It requires pain sometimes. Personally, some of the more painful conversations I've ever had have been on this issue, have been having to learn and listen, think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I hadn't been aware of how I'd been culturally blind and arrogant. Not perhaps intending to be arrogant, but still needing to repent of it. And other times I've had to stop and think, well, am I being racist? And, and frankly, that in itself is a really important thing to go through because sometimes you're not being racist. And we need to be careful we don't abuse our consciences. We live in such an accusing time where it's easy to just be bullied. And you mustn't let your conscience be bullied. You need to be listening to the Holy Spirit, listening carefully and properly evaluating. Say, no, actually, no, I don't think I am in this situation. No, before God, I'm not. That's the best way to have proper conversations, before God. But we, we need, nevertheless, to learn with a soft heart to come into this process as, as we're watching what Jesus is building, the kind of community that he longs for. The church is still God's wisdom. The church is still God's plan for the world, a world that is shockingly divided and increasingly divided and increasingly identity-driven to the point where division gets driven in more tightly, even while we're trying to prevent it. We create it because the law doesn't change the heart, but the Holy Spirit does. And the church, when it's filled with the Spirit and the love of Christ, can be a sign of something beautiful and glorious that only God could have created. It's worth the time. It's worth the patience. It's worth the process that God takes us through and we need in the midst of that to come back to the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees see the, the Pharisees effectively were, were, were good at attacking good at making people feel their shame good at cancelling people effectively and Jesus comes to us and what does he say Jesus, Jesus way of appealing to the crowds appealing to you and me he says, come to me if you're weary and burdened. Are you weary? Are you burdened? Are you weary of this present age, this politically driven age, this divided age? Are you weary of wondering if you've got it wrong? Are you, you weary of, of how to walk in an age where there's such a confusing set of values and principles that seem to be in conflict with one another all the time? Are you burdened by it? When you come to religion, you think, oh, it's just another load of burdens. <laughs> 
You come to church, it's just right now I've got to behave for you as well. Now you come to Jesus and you, you hear the voice of the one who says, come to me if you're weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Now how does Jesus give us rest? He said, well, forget the burdens, no more burdens, no more yokes, it's all over, no more burdens for you. No, 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 that wouldn't be restful. That would be bad for you. Jesus says, no, take my burden. Take my yoke, follow me. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be hard sometimes. But ultimately, friends, the yoke I give is easy. The burden I give is light. That's what you'll feel most of the time. You'll feel my forgiveness. You'll feel my patience. You'll feel the time that I give you to change. And we'll learn because he forgives us when we get it wrong, when we, we, we make mistakes, when we're selfish, when we're cold, when we're arrogant. He forgives us. We come to him sorrowful, repent, repentant. Lord, please, he forgives. And he helps us to go back in with hope. He helps us to go back into building relationships gently, carefully. And we start to build relationships in the house of God that reflect his character. So start there. Start by coming to the burden carrier. Start by coming to the one whose yoke is easy. Start with Jesus. You must start with Jesus. The whole world needs to start with Jesus. You might not be a Christian. Start with Jesus. Whoever you are on this subject of race, on this subject of, of division, start with Jesus. Come to Jesus, sinners. Come with your sin. Come with your failure. Come with your sense of shame. Come with your sense, I can't do, I can't keep up. Come to Jesus. Receive grace. Let him change you inwardly so that you start to reach out lovingly in a way you never would have expected to find yourself doing let's just pray father we're grateful for your son jesus we're grateful for his great example to us but we thank you that he's so much more than an example how lost we would be if he was just our example oh we would be lost i would be so lost I thank you, he's my saviour. He's my forgiver. And you give me hope. And you help me to change inwardly. I pray you would help us to build a community in this city and beyond that could only be explained, can only exist because of the love of Jesus at the centre of it. I pray for that. I pray there would be miraculous relationships, miraculous healing and reconciliation because we found Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to leave it there. I hope that's been a helpful set of things to talk about, but we'll come back to this in the live brunch later. So if you've got time, you might want to uh, join us for the conversation where we'll follow on on this theme.